What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. We are here for episode 141. We being me, Jeremy Rushing, and alongside me as always, my co-host, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? Doing well. Uh, very busy. Uh, the section yes. season is starting up for spring sports. So, uh, so far it's uh, softball and track and field, that sort of stuff right now baseball lacrosse very soon so uh very busy on that front but uh been enjoying the opportunity to to stay connected to soccer through the so many teams that are playing soccer right now in minnesota yeah. uh and a lot more during the the fray this week as we're recording um so yeah a uh, lot of a lot of fun stuff to talk about but uh definitely definitely very busy in the in the sports space right now i i can't lie yeah it's one of those things when you have a a job job on top of doing this it's more like, kind of like a side hustle then all of a sudden you got to move stuff around when certain things take precedent um you know all transparency we're actually recording wednesday lunchtime here <laughs> but through the magic of podcasting and through the magic of pre-recording we're actually going to have a little bit later on in the show, a recap of the Minnesota Aurora season opener. As I'm saying this right now, I have no idea how that season opener is going to go because it hasn't happened yet. But again, through the magic of podcasting, we will have a little recap of that opener uh, a little bit later on with a special guest. So stick around for that. But yes, uh, we are presented by SodaSoccer.com. We are your home for soccer coverage in the North. Subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast if you have not. Check out the website if you have not. Subscribe to the Loons Daily Newsletter if you have not. And if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon, sort of taken that next step and directly supported our work, directly supported our content contributors, directly supported our mission here at Soda Soccer, consider that. Patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. You can support us for as low as $3 a month if you just want to support our work. But if you want to get some bonus content like exclusive Minnesota United trading tidbits, inclusive, uh, exclusive early access to podcasts and interviews, um, you know, exclusive access to match day threads, things like that. Um, you can take that next step in the five or ten dollar tiers there. But if you just want to support our work, you don't care about that bonus content, that's fine too. Three dollars a month gets you that at patreon.com slash soda soccer. Your support is huge for helping us do what we do here at Soda Soccer and the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. Um, and like I said last week, we are still one patron away from our May goal. So if you want to be that one patron and help us reach our May goal, you can do that right now. Again, patreon.com slash soda soccer all right time to jump into the headlines minnesota united very up and down week both on and off the field for the loons um of course we had that friday uh breaking news that we always get right after we record the podcast dom and that was plentiful for minnesota united so we will jump into that first before we actually get into the uh, the match breakdowns here uh the first bit of news actually the first bit of news we're going to touch on here is robin lud uh Unfortunately, comes out that he tore his right meniscus in last week's midweek match over or midweek win over Houston. Um, he underwent surgery this past Monday, and according to Heath, the Finn will be out four to six months. Dom, it goes without saying, this is a huge understatement, but uh, this is a massive loss for a Loon's team that's looking to sort of still find their footing in uh, in the MLS season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, th- there's been some uh discussion this season about you know where should load be playing uh in this formation especially as the formations change uh but i think the one thing that there's no debate about is that he needs to be playing uh, yeah. and that he's very useful <laughs> to this team particularly as uh, such a multi-positional player 
Uh, you know, it's a guy that can put a shift in, obviously, in the front line, in the midfield, everywhere in between. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a half-decent center back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, when you lose a guy like, you know, to some degree, very different player, but to some degree, it's a similar conversation to, you know, when uh, Hassani Dotson got injured last year, where it's just, it's that's such a big loss from that asset point of view, because you know this is a guy that, if he's healthy, can kind of play wherever you need a guy. And uh, he 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 really is the, the symbol of that in this team. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a big loss. It's a big loss, really, in every part of, of the pitch for Minnesota United. Uh, obviously, some of the results afterwards have, have been promising, but he is the kind of guy that, down the stretch, uh, is going to be greatly missed, particularly with this being a, a long-term injury. So, Obviously, wishing the the best health and recovery to him, but uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty serious loss for Minnesota United. I learned a lot about meniscus injuries and tears <laughs> this week because you hear torn meniscus, you hear like a torn ligament or whatever in the knee, yeah. and you're like, oh, he's going to be out forever. He's going to be out the rest of the season. He's going to be. Right. We're not going to see him at all till next year. That's not always necessarily the case, I guess, with meniscus injuries. Uh, from what I gathered. You know, depending on the severity, you could even go without surgery at times and just sort of do some sort of rehab process to get yourself back, you know, on the field, on the court, if you're an athlete, whatever you do um, in a shorter amount of time. But the surgery is the best path to to longer term health with that particular uh, injury. So, you know, Robin Lid's 30 years old. You know, he's still got a few years left on his contract with this team. This does seem like, well, it's going to impact the team more in the long term. That if we were to kind of try to maybe risk it a little bit and go with the rehab process and try to get back sooner, I think it's more of a long-term plus that he's going to have the surgery, you know, go through that full rehabilitation process post-surgery, and then, you know, theoretically, presumably be back, you know, full full strength, full health, 100% ready to go. Um, you know, maybe as early as late September could even be uh, if this team is making a playoff run that we see him at the latter portion of the regular season, that final stretch of the regular season heading into the playoffs. That's not out of the realm of possibility either. So, um, you know, all the best to him. Seems like the surgery went well on Monday and um, you know, that, that journey starts for him or returning to the pitch, whether it's later this season or uh, early next season Um, on that front though, Heath says that the team will not be pursuing any free agents during this time. Um, he mentioned that their focus is going to be on reintegrating Emmanuel Reynoso and they will wait until the summer window to make any real moves. Is this the right decision by the front office staff? Well, I mean, that's hard. I mean, in, in terms of, uh, Lord's attacking potential, if you have Reynoso back, you really do have people in every position there. So I, uh, understandably anybody that you would have brought in probably would have been a backup anyway. Um, Midfield feels like there's a certain amount of depth there. Obviously, uh, the Houston results, I think <laughs> people have some things to say about the midfield, but um, you know, I, I I guess I can understand not wanting to jump the gun and sign somebody that re- realistically probably is barely going to play anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, this team does have a development side for a reason, so I suppose that if really needed, there are potentially some uh, sort of doubloon guys that could come in in the mix as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, with, with this sort of situation, it's a bit of a like damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Because in theory, yeah, there might come a situation down the road where there's a game and it just feels like we don't quite have the player we would need. Uh, at the same time, you might end up signing a guy and he basically doesn't do anything other than train. So uh, it it's kind of that double-edged sword situation, I think. 
to me, this is where a guy like Cameron Dunbar can really come in and, and try to shine and, sure. and try to right. get that out and, and potentially get that opportunity. Um, you know, free agents that they can be very hit or miss. You know, their teams that they're players that aren't on teams. No, no disrespect to them, but they're not on teams right now for a reason, right? They're free right. agents for a reason. Um, it's not necessarily somebody that's going to come in and make a huge impact on your team. Um, and we are a little bit over a month away from the summer transfer window opening up. Um, and so with that timing, I, I can maybe see why Heath is, is turning his focus on that. On the flip side of that, though, we just kind of saw in the recent salary dump uh, that Minnesota United, relative to other teams, is not spending a lot currently on their roster. So, you know, would it be that much of a risk? Would it be that much more to take a flyer on a, on a free agent winger? midfield attacking midfielder central midfielder um just to see if if they can maybe reach a high upside you know there's also that part of it as well but um no i wasn't uh appalled at the news that they weren't going to pursue any free agents especially when you have a manuel reynoso back i have to imagine the situation would be different if a reynoso wasn't here um they might be you know more apt to take that flyer or pursue a free agent or pursue something more urgent uh, ahead of the summer transfer window. But with Reynoso here, you kind of have that incoming piece that can sort of, you know, kind of replace what, what Lud brought and maybe even then some uh, on the pitch in, in terms of the attack. So, Oh, we'll have to see. But speaking of Reynoso, the club did release a video last Friday of the Argentine. He was basically sitting down in the locker room, talking to the camera and explaining his absence. Um, and I'm going to pull up, I had meant to pull up the statement as, uh, as before we got on the air here, but I didn't. So I'm going to pull that up right now. This is bad podcasting. Um, here's Emmanuel Reynoso's full statement. Quote, I'm very happy to be back here in Minnesota. The truth is that due to family problems, I could not come. The truth is that I went through a very difficult time in my life and personally too. I apologize to my teammates. I apologize to all the coaching staff, to all the people who work in the club. The truth is that what I did was not right. I know that. Since January, when I did not show up, the boys were already in the preseason and were working hard to start the season. From the fans, I also received many messages, and that helped me a lot to be able to come here. I'm very grateful for them always supporting me off the field and on the field. But I hope I can return all the love, all the support they gave me on the field, off the field, and try to change. That's what I did. I was wrong. The truth is, I know, like I said before, I am very happy to be here in this locker room. The truth is that I'm close to the stadium, next to the field, and that makes me want to be able to help the team to be able to go out and play. I'm preparing myself in the best way to be able to be 100% and be available to the coach. But, well, it's a step-by-step. Take it easy, and when the day comes, I'll be ready to give my best. End quote. Is this enough, Dom? Um, I mean, in terms of what needs to be communicated to the the everyday uh, fan probably uh, the other the other half of that is obviously just him eventually getting back onto the pitch and playing for the team um, you know we, we've talked about uh, what he may or may not you know owe to the uh, rest of the roster and and the coaching staff and there's we've also already discussed that there appears to have been some work done you know behind the scenes regarding that, that we were going to end up always being less privy to, which is fine and understandable. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 it's a weird situation to really draw a line of what's enough Yeah. in, in the sense that, you know, I, 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 when I originally watched the video, even just now hearing you read it back, the, uh, the transcript, um, 
you know, I, I, I guess it does occur to me that the way the situation is being described in that statement doesn't quite feel like what it seems like was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I also didn't expect a video from the club of Reynoso sitting down and like going into the nitty gritty of his life uh, with us. So uh, I think that I think that the, the good part is that both he and the club are clearly making an effort to not to both not ignore what happened, but also move on from it. Correct. Um, and that seems like a relatively good approach for a situation I don't really know the best approach to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was, well, so maybe, maybe the better way to even say that is this. I'm really glad we didn't just get a statement. Correct. I think that it was a good decision to put him on camera. And even though obviously the vast majority of people are relying on translation, for, for what mm-hmm. he's saying, you know, to get visual of him talking, uh, it felt like there was some genuine effort being put forward to, to, to build bridges or mend bridges, which I think is kind of the best approach there is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that aside from him getting back to playing, I think that this was probably a, a, a pretty good move in these first couple of weeks to try and get people kind of get everybody back on board with with this mission with him as part of it. I think by directly addressing the elephant in the room the way they did, it makes that elephant in the room not seem as large. And it, it, it shrinks it down a little bit. It, it, it provides sort of a path forward, which I think is ultimately what we want from this. And I think the one thing that stands out to me is he does take accountability in this. He says, I was wrong. You know, I apologize to, to everyone. You know, um, it was not right. You know, those are direct quotes from, from this, uh, from this transcript, from the statement. So, um, yeah, I think you're, you're seeing him take accountability and I think, um, you know, you're seeing certain teams, specifically a team out East right now that has a much worse situation going on with one of their players that is not addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah. That elephant in the room seems very, very large, especially when he's being run back out and on a starting 11 roster. So that is just, you know, in that comparison and not, not to just compare it to one other team, but I think this was a really good decision by the club. I think Ray seemed genuine and sincere in the way that he spoke about it, which is another plus to having that that video, having him speaking to the camera, as you can tell sort of the the sincerity in what he's saying. And I think like he's somebody that that obviously went through a rough patch and he's working on reingratiating himself with his teammates and you know, not not really breaking any news here or any scoops, but you can tell by some of the body language of some of the players and the way they're answering some questions in regards to Ray, they're still very uh, hesitant to fully re-embrace him, which is under which is understandable. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's gonna he, he's gonna speak with with his actions, right? Actions are louder than words. Will Trapp said it last week in training. He needs to walk the walk now. He's talked the talk. He's done everything he needs to do from that point. Now he needs to walk the walk and show that he can, he can, you know, reintegrate with us on the pitch. And speaking of that, something interesting that that Heath mentioned. So um, Ray will rejoin the team for warmups and small portions or has rejoined the warmup, the team for warmups and small portions of training uh, late this week. Uh, but he's not going to fully reintegrate with the group until they deem him fit to do so. So there is a real slow and steady approach that the team is taking the, to this and a real, he needs to work himself to get himself to a reasonable fitness level to where he can reintegrate with the group. Um, and I think that's smart. I think that's smart. I think, 
even if it costs you a couple wins this season or, you know, not reintegrating him at the earliest point costs you some points. I think you also need to be looking beyond 2023 with Reynoso if you're Minnesota. I mean, this is a massive, massive investment relative to what you have with other players in the club. It's somebody you got to think about more the long term. And if it means they end up on, you know, in a best of three playoff scenario when they could have made made it past when they could have gotten a seed to get them out of that scenario, or if it means they're on the outside looking in when they could have been in, I think you're looking longer term with Ray here. And the slow and you know, we get people in our Twitter DMs over you know all of us individually, but also on Soda Soccer over the last few weeks saying, why does it take so long? It shouldn't take this long to reintegrate a player. This is professional sports we're talking about. This is a different level. This is not your neighborhood soccer team. Like no offense to the great community clubs that we cover and we talk about on this team. This is the professional level. There's high stakes here, high investment in these players. Um, so it's not just something where they can roll them out as soon, you know, roll them out as soon as he's back and be good. There is a process to this. And it seems like they're taking that process very seriously. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, and by the way, I don't necessarily expect every, every single person who happens to like a sport to know all the ins and outs of this. It's not no, the job. Not like, I, I, that's not, you know, but I mean, to be clear, I mean, you're right that the professional side of it is, is a huge fat, like the expectations are just so much higher. And especially if it's MLS, but like, I even know guys that didn't play for their NPSL teams week one, two weeks ago, because they didn't make enough training sessions in the first, you know, mm-hmm. run of people coming in. Like, in any competitive level of any sport, certainly soccer, uh, if if you're not in the mix, you're not ready to play at that level. Like, that's just – and even, you know, obviously Ray was with the team before, but mm-hmm. a long time ago now, and there's yeah. people that have moved in and out. There's been tactical adjustments that have been made. Uh, and even if they were playing the exact same way with the exact same people, he wouldn't be fresh in that system with those people. Um, those little increments, those little margins are, are often what can determine whether a player plays well or not. Uh, and so if they're not confident that he can do that, there's not no particular reason to have him playing. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's just how it works. Um, it's good to see that the progress is being made on, on that front. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree that uh, it's important to, to do this in a way that is responsible. And that yeah. does seem to be the approach. So again, yeah, I, I think now that he's here, uh, it feels like the club is is approaching most of the angles of this situation uh, in in a pretty responsible way. So that's that's good. There's two dates you can look at now. I always kind of love playing the when will he return game. It's kind of fun. Um, I had mentioned last week, I thought maybe May 31st in Austin, just having another body in there for the schedule congestion might might be a good move. Obviously, if he's not reintegrating with the group for another week or two in training, that's not going to happen. Um, June 10th is something I, I've kind of circled on the calendar as a, as a potential one. Even before this, I kind of thought maybe if they do decide to take a slower approach, June 10th in Montreal might be a good one. But something to look at there is they actually have a bye week after that game. So that's two more weeks of him getting reintegrated, reacclimated, and ready to go. So maybe they take that bye week just to give him another week to, to, to get there. And maybe even June 24th um, at RSL might be, might be our most likely option here. 
Um, I don't think he returns after that. I think that's probably at the absolute latest, the 24th. I do think it'll probably be the 10th or the 24th. And honestly, with that, with that bye week there, they might use that to their advantage, give him a couple more weeks. And maybe he makes some sort of cameo on June 10th and then maybe gets a little bit of a longer run out on the 24th. But um, yeah, we're looking at mid to late June now for right now. Yeah. So with these, with these new developments. Yeah, no. And, and I, I absolutely agree with your line of thought there. I think maybe probably makes the roster for the game on the 10th probably mm. actually plays any sort of meaningful minutes on the 24th. Mm. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, this is what, you know, we were talking before this situation had started to seem like it was being resolved. What before he had come back, we were talking about, you know, one of the things that's just a reality of all this is if he does come back, which he has now, you know, he's not, he's still not going to have played most of this, you know, a huge chunk of the season. So he's back now, but this process takes a while. Uh, this team's going to still have to figure out how to get points without him for a while. Uh, that's just the reality of it. So mm-hmm. I think it's great to have him back when possible. But that's just, you know, you, if you rush these things, that quickly results in all kinds of possible bad situations, including, by the way, a situation where he could injure himself because he's not ready to play professional soccer. And then you yeah. don't have him for who knows how long. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think we're going to have to probably wait a, a good while longer. I think that weight, though, again, is, is just the reflection of doing this process the right way. I said bye week. It's te- I, I know I'm going to get people flooding my Twitter. Day. It's actually technically like an international window on, oh. on that in that mid June because uh, that's when the Nations League uh, semifinals and final happen and all that good right. stuff. So, right. um, yes, just to be technical, international window, I guess. Um, but anyways, so more to come on that front. I'm sure we'll get more information on a potential timeline for a return for Reynoso as he kind of starts to train with the group again and and, and see how that goes. Um, let's go on the field though. Let's start to break down some matches 22 minutes in, shall we? Uh, we start off with the good. It's another up and down week. It's another good and bad week for Minnesota United. I think we'll take that over the, uh, Hey, they lost two games this week, uh, run of, uh, shows that we had uh, for a while there, but we start with, um, you know, one of the biggest regular season wins in Minnesota United's history. I'm not ready to call it the biggest, but it's, uh, it's probably like top five or six regular season win in Minnesota United's history. They go on the road in Portland and thanks to Obaga Hukli Hongwane, match winner in the 95th minute, last kick of the match, Minnesota comes away with a 1-0 road win. Um, I should mention on this last goal-scoring sequence here is a great hustle play by Mender Garcia to chase down a long pass, gain possession. He passes over at Ariaga. Ariaga feeds Longwane. The South African does, does the rest. And on the last kick of the match, after being scored upon on the last kick of the match, Technically three times this season coming into this one. Uh, Minnesota, the shoe finally hits on the other foot. And uh, Bongi finishes late. And Minnesota comes away with a 1-0 road win. Uh, Dom, you've been following this team for a very, very long time. Would you kind of put this in that top five regular season win territory? Uh, maybe. It's it's definitely one of the more uh, impactful road wins, I can think of, in recent memory. Um you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll round back to talking about the actual match in a second, but it's interesting because if you look at this match and the the Houston win, the league win against Houston, those two results feel like this huge lift for this team. And obviously, the other game we're going to talk about today is sort of dropping that back down. But uh, no, I, I think this is a, a a huge result for this team. It's it's one thing to grind something out at home uh, against Houston, but to go on the road, uh, obviously, to a Portland team that you know, at least on paper is always assumed to be 
very hard to play uh, in Portland uh, yep. because of the atmosphere and, and, and so on. Um, yeah, to get a result there, not just a result, but a win, a clean sheet win, that's that's huge. Um, it's it's another big moment for Juanwane, who just continues to be easily one of the, the best-performing players in this team, yep. uh, easily the best-attacking performing player on this team. Uh, and, and a very nice tribute to Robin Lud, by the way, in his celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mender Garcia, you know, getting back into sort of the goal involvements with, with the assist on this one. Uh, it's been, you know, a quieter period of the season for him, in part because of a lack of minutes, but, but also in part because of his performances. Uh, so it was good to see him sort of show what he can do again. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, this kind of separating how the Open Cup has gone from the league in terms of the league campaign, this is a, a huge way to follow up that Houston win. Because the thing is, yep. the problem with what this team's been doing recently is that they will have a good result here and there, but it will be followed by a horrible result. Uh, and while you could consider the Open Cup result to be a horrible result, getting at least in league play two good back-to-back -back wins uh, is just a, a huge lift for this team. So, yeah, as far as MLS play is concerned, I think this puts Minnesota United on such a better footing uh, than they were, I mean, for basically a month before that Houston result. Yeah, it was really unsteady ground in the league heading into this week. And those two wins have got Minnesota kind of firmly back in playoff positioning. They're tied for fifth in the table, I believe now, in MLS. Not to table watch this early, but at the same time, you know, when you're looking at just just areas of optimism and kind of where you see this team heading in the longer term getting those back-to-back -back wins at home against houston who is firmly a playoff team heading into that match on the road in portland which is never an easy place to play um you know some call it the 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 toughest road atmosphere in mls and Minnesota gets wins in both those scenarios. Um, I want to read a stat. I got to shout out Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press for putting this up. So uh, Bongi Longwani leads Minnesota United with six goals in all competitions. Uh, but there's also some defensive statistics that really show his work rate. And Andy tweeted these out. These are these are courtesy of FB Ref, but this is on Andy Greeter's Twitter feed. In terms of numbers per 90, um, 2.69 blocks per 90 in MLS. That's 99th percentile. Interceptions, 0.88 per match. That's 89th percentile. Tackles, 1.76 per match. That's 80th percentile. Clearances, 1.13 per match. That's 92nd percentile. And aerials, 1, 1.60. That's 90th percentile. And those defensive percent, those, those percentiles are, are compared to other players of his position. So you're not comparing him to Michael Boxall or Mickey Tapias or, you know, insert great defender here. Um, so, I mean, he's putting in the work and we've known he's put in the work. These stats are just sort of reaffirming what we've known about Bongi is he's, he's very much become a two-way player this year, helps on the defensive end. I think there was a stat in uh pro football focus FC a couple weeks back. I think we've, we've mentioned this where he has the most combined blocks, clearances, and inter pass deflections or something like that in the entire league. I don't know if that's still the case, but um, very much might be. So, um, you know, he's putting in the work and now the goals are coming. His fourth goal in four matches, as we mentioned, six goals on the year, four more than the next best loon in all competitions. Um, man, it's, it's, it's really, it's hard for me to imagine. I know I said this last week, but this week just, just continues to put that at the forefront. 
where would this team be without Bonky? It's it's pretty crazy to think where this team would be without him. And he's, I mean, he's been that emerging star, and he is getting, you know, he's kind of starting to get that notoriety across MLS. His winner was just named Goal of the Match Day in MLS this past week. You know, he's getting mentioned on on Extra Time, and he's getting mentioned in in a lot of national circles now when it comes to Major League Soccer. Um, you know, it's it's great to see him getting that notoriety. It's well deserved, and man, if he can continue this this ascension and continue just to to hone his craft the sky seems like it's the limit for this kid yeah i mean claude Wani's potential feels incredibly high um and and yeah i mean look essentially on every possible metric for his position he is uh by and far leading this team so i mean there's really i i don't even know where you would point to complain to be honest uh yeah his his defensive responsibility has been very good uh, obviously, on, going forward, he is by and far the best performing attacker on this team. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just he 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 is just playing pretty phenomenally for this team. And frankly, through stretches where not necessarily that much of the team is playing phenomenally, um, right. he he's stepping up. So, yeah, uh, he he's proven to be a, a huge asset for this team, particularly given some of the uh, roster questions that were created by Reynoso's absence. Uh, he he really stepped up and he's provided so much. So it, it's it the the hope that his second season in MLS was going to be significantly better and and crucial to Minnesota United has has proven to be well founded. He he has very much guided this team forward. Uh, and Minnesota United's acquisition of him now, uh, looking back, is a very 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 smart transfer. Man, and to think that this comes right after Adrian Heath has sort of publicly said. I mean, I asked Heath, I remember after, I can't remember what match it was. It was one of those matches where Minnesota just had like a billion chances and they and they mm-hmm. couldn't finish. And Bongi had a lot of those opportunities. And I asked Heath the next day in training, I said, hey, you know, Bongi's obviously doing the work. You know, what do you want to see from him moving forward? What do you want to see in that next evolution? And he sort of called Bongi out. He said he needs to get more composure in the final third. He needs, if he wants to be that player that I know he wants to be, he promised me 25 goals and all this. He needs to figure out a way to, to be more composed in those goal scoring chances. And man, it's almost right after that, that the, that the switch flipped. I'm not saying it's because of that comment or anything like that, you know, but it's just seems like he said, Hey, I need to see this from him. This is sort of his next evolution. And just immediately Bongi starts to hit that next, that next step and hit that next gear. Really cool to see. Yeah. No, yeah. He's responded well to, to, to the criticism for what it's worth. I think when that comment was made, he was tied for our top goal scorer, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but no one was scoring at that point. So that correct, was correct. I think the other thing was at two. Yeah. Yes. He was tied yes. at two goals. Yes. Uh, but no, yeah, he, he's really stepped it up since then. And, and obviously has created quite a bit of gap between him and the rest of the team in terms of scoring. Um, so yeah, again, from, from a young guy, particularly from a guy who it, it's just his second year in MLS, doesn't necessarily have a lot of experience globe trotting through uh, leagues outside of uh, his, his native South Africa. Uh, for him to be able to grow and step up like that is is really encouraging, and uh, I can I continue as we both have for a while. Continue to think that Minnesota United have picked up a really really good player uh, in him. Hundred percent, and uh, you know he they're going to need him uh, to keep this up moving forward uh, to keep their keep their form in the league. Um, another note, another couple notes on the Portland match: eleven block shots by the Minnesota defense. They were back in their true form in this one. Um, you know Heath without without Lud. 
He said, you know, and they're on the road. So, you know, we're going to play the low block. We're going to try to hit our counter moments. And this is what we're going to do. And that low block setup, you have to be able to get in front of shot opportunities. If you're going to play that low block, you have to keep the ball from reaching your goalkeeper. That's exactly what Minnesota did. Uh, Kudos to Mickey Tapias, to Michael Boxall, um, at all along the back line for for making those those key blocks. 11 block shots is, is really impressive number. Um, to go along with that, 19 total shots for Portland, but only three actually uh, made Dane St. Clair do something. Uh, so that's that's real key for that Minnesota defense. It's also the team's fifth clean sheet of the season and their league best fourth road win of the campaign so far for Minnesota. So, um, you know, that, that road form continues. Unfortunately, though, they couldn't continue that in the U.S. Open Cup on Tuesday evening. A 4-0 Open Cup loss to Houston. They crash out in the round of 16. Um, you know, this this got off the rails early, and Minnesota just, just couldn't claw back from what was a pretty significant deficit early on. Uh, 33 minute, 30, 33 minute, 33rd minute, uh, I believe it was Mender Garcia who got his hand on a ball in the box, uh, leading to a Corey Baird penalty kick. He buries it in the 33rd. And then five minutes later, Kervin Ariaga gets sent off after multiple yellow cards. Um, the first yellow was a no doubt a yellow card. The second one was pretty questionable. Um, I did not think it was a yellow. Seemed like he just got tripped up with another player. But when you're on a yellow, it's, you can't put yourself in that position if you're Ariaga. You're so crucial to the team. You're on a yellow. You got to play a little smarter than that. And uh, he gets sent off in the in the 38th. I mean, this is something that seems to be a reoccurring theme with Ariaga. Um, you know, um, Alejandro, who also covers the team, um, he followed Ariaga very closely in his days playing abroad. And he had mentioned that this has kind of always been an issue with Ariaga, even before he came to Minnesota, that he could not keep himself, he could not keep cards away. And there was no accumulation um, before he played here. So he was never really penalized for that. Uh, but obviously you get the suspensions here in, in MLS and he just has not seemed to to clean it up. He has not seemed to to be able to play in a way that keeps him in matches, keeps him clean for the most part. And you saw that really bite Minnesota moving forward. Um, you know, you kind of have to hope that maybe this is the moment where he realizes that maybe he needs to change some of the things about the way he plays. But um, yeah, just uh, what what were your thoughts on the, on the two yellows? Uh, yeah, I, I think... I agree uh, that the second one was perhaps somewhat harsh. I can uh, I can empathize though with the referee in the sense that he's looking at the situation. There's already been a penalty kick. There's fouls coming in. He's trying to get control of the match. Perhaps he decides this guy's pushing it too much. I have to do something, uh, and so obviously that ends up hurting Minnesota United. But I I can empathize with how in that situation he thought he had to take drastic action. Um, Look, if yeah. you're on, if you're not on a yellow, I mean, go for it. That's my that's my personal opinion on. Yeah, that. yeah. But if you're on a yellow and you gave up a penalty kick, <laughs> yeah. uh, the referee's probably paying a lot of attention to what you're doing, so you should probably you know think about that. Um, yeah, you know, perhaps slightly harsh, not necessarily uh, unbelievable though. Uh, yeah, as uh, on the broader side of things, Ariaga's definitely had games where this has been a problem. And there's definitely room for him to grow on that one. I think, you know, unfortunately, for what it's worth, to, I guess to play play devil's advocate, he does play a position where any mistakes are going to lead to this kind of spotlight going on you. Uh, you know, it, to be clear, 
one of our other midfielders had the same problem last year. Uh, we there was a there were jokes, there were memes made about how many yellow cards Will Trap got. So, um, and that's a much more experienced American player. So, you know, th- th- this is a problem that people play in those sorts of positions can get into. Uh, that being said, Kevin Ariada does need to improve on on his ability to avoid those sorts of uh, punishments. Um, so, you know. Yeah, and then obviously that sets off just a a game where Minnesota United has very little ability to to climb a pretty steep, uh, a steep excuse me slope, um, and and results in a pretty disappointing result. But uh, yeah, not not great from Ariaga. Uh, at the same time, Zion talented a guy that that I think probably you know has the ability to improve, which which is promising. It is, and he's become really uh, he's become such a vital part of this team and of this midfield that it just really like kind of magnifies, you know, when he's when these situations happen, when he is not able to sort of when he gets an early yellow and he's not able to play at his full potential, or when he gets himself sent off, or when he gets back to back yellows in games and he's suspended for the next one. It's it's magnified when you play such a crucial role in the team. Um, and that's that's kudos to him that he has gotten himself to a point where he is that sort of vital contributor. But at the same time, with it's like, it's the old Spider-Man thing: with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and at some at some level, in order for you to make that impact on the team, you got to keep yourself on the team. You got to keep yourself on the pitch. Um, but anyways, that uh, Corey Baird PK was just one of three goals that he scored on the night. Hattie, um, he had two more in the 68th and the 89th, respectively. Then it was Ibrahim Aliou, who, if you recall, he's the one who put one off the crop, off the uh, inside of the post in Minnesota's win over Houston last week. He scores in the 79th just minutes after coming on to seal the deal. Um, like I mentioned, Loons bow out in the round of 16. They failed to make the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup for the second straight year after 2019's run to the final. You know, there was a lot of question marks last year in the way that they were eliminated against Union Omaha. A lot of uh, criticism that maybe they didn't put out as strong of a lineup as they could have. Just looking at the the way these teams were rolled out across this tournament, and I don't know if if Adrian Heath and Co. could have could have taken this tournament more seriously than they did. Um, I just think this is sort of a, a a one-off scenario Tuesday night where just nothing nothing went right. No, everybody seemed to be a little lethargic. Maybe this is the game where the run of games kind of caught up to them. Um, but looking at the lineups and, and looking at the way the rosters were put together, it was it was strong showings on the on the team sheet pretty much the entire way. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I, I I think that they showed plenty of respect to the tournament in terms of the players they used. Uh, certainly, you saw a lot more sort of key guys playing more minutes than they uh, they did in the last run. Or in that Omaha game, um, so yeah, I mean, credit to them for that. Um, yeah, I, I think this match came down to just players performing badly, not not whether or not the coach picked the right players. Um, obviously, there was a little bit of rotation, but but nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the red card, a couple other key moments, just players didn't do their jobs particularly well, and so you you lose games. That's how that works. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Minnesota United, at the very least, uh, did a better job of of addressing the criticism from last year about who they played. But you know, sometimes sometimes uh, your your best players still can lose matches. So, correct. Uh, here we are. Now the Loons look to rebound at home Saturday night at Allianz Field against RSL. 
uh, 7.30 p.m. Central Time start. We will have post loons to follow. Jacob and I are playing a little switcheroo this week where he's going to be writing for the website. I'm going to be hosting post loons from my parents' house in Illinois, actually, on Saturday night because I'm going there for Memorial Day weekend. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Really excited to get back on the on the post loons. Uh, I always enjoy doing those post-game shows. But anyways, this is this is the part where we work a little uh, audio magic. We work a little podcast magic. So Minnesota Aurora home opener on Wednesday night. It is Wednesday afternoon as Dom and I are recording here. But we're going to splice in a little conversation uh, about the match itself um, that was recorded after the match. The magic of podcasting. All right. Uh, stay tuned for that conversation. If you're into Minnesota Aurora, um, it'll be about 10 or 15 minutes. Then Dom and I will be back on the other side to talk lower league and talk uh, and make our picks presented by Better Edge. Before, though, we get into that conversation, got to tell you about our friends over at Galasso Kits, G-O-L-A-C-O kits.com. I-, I say this all the time, but if you haven't gone to Galasso kits.com, just, just go there. It's like they've they've almost gamified the the kit buying experience. It's just fun to just like search a team, search any team, Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, uh, Bundesliga, MLS, old NASL days. Um, you know, whatever team pops in your mind, current or former, if they played professionally, um, they probably have some sort of jersey or piece of apparel from them at GolassoKits.com. So again, G-O-L-A-C-O Kits. Dot com code loons l-o-o-n-s gets you 15 percent off bring unique vintage jerseys to your home you, you click of a button use code loons 15 percent off and then poof a few days later shows up on your doorstep just like new Golasokits.com, g-o-l-a-c-o kits.com code loons for 15 percent off big thanks to our friends at galasso kits now let's talk some minnesota aurora all right, we have successfully traveled in the 10K time machine and are here to talk Minnesota Aurora's 2023 season opener, a 5-0 win over Rochester FC with Soda Soccer Aurora Beat reporter, Matthew Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at MJ Matsui. MJ, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm tired. Yeah, yesterday was a, was a busy day. Uh, as you know, I like to put a lot into home matches that I cover. and yep, 100%. Uh, but I had fun. And the game was a fun to run. And what a result. Five nothing. Yeah, what a result indeed. A pretty dominant performance for Aurora in their opener. We'll get to the game itself in a minute. But just just take me inside the stadium Wednesday night. What was the atmosphere like? And was there anything sort of noticeably different from the 2022 opener to 2023? Some of the biggest uh, no- things that I noticed were the cha- some of the change in some of the vendors. Uh, last year, I believe they partnered with uh, Urban Growler. This this year, it's Prize. So, okay. Prize Brewing and the Prize Brewing tent. The the line was really long. Mm-hmm. The other really exciting thing for non drinkers or people with sweet tooth is the Ghirardelli chocolate line. They had free s'mores and some open fires on the concourse and. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people were loving that as well. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the partnership announcements in the preseason, the the Girardelli one was the first one that I saw. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. I have to come out to a game and and get me some of those because that's fantastic. In talking with Andrea Yock, the the fun thing was uh, they reached out to the the club. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. Gary Delis is just like, hey, can we get in on this? Yeah. And then somehow they came up with the, the free s'mores bit. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a winner. Um, might not be as popular on the really hot days, but yeah, on uh, you know, it, the game started at 77 degrees, but it cooled down to 60 something, low 60s. Yeah. And you know, th- those warm s'mores sounded like a really good idea. Yeah, tis the season, early morning, <laughs> late nights, it gets kind of cool, but uh, you know, just couldn't ask for a more beautiful night. Uh, at TCO Stadium for for the opener on Wednesday, um, five goals. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The other thing that I noticed from the logistics standpoint is that Minnesota have hired more staff, mm-hmm. and while covering home games versus away games, it was very evident just how much more organized Minnesota Roar is. They're even more organized this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and that that just uh, that helps the experience for everybody going to those games at TCO. And you know, with fifty one hundred fans in attendance, it seems like that that interest in going to games and the fan and the fan support is you know still still carrying on through through year two. And so obviously they need every bit of that that help and organization um, on match days. Uh, but let's go on the field now, MJ. Five goals for the attack, a clean sheet for the defense. We'll kind of go section by section of the pitch here, and let's start sure. with the attack. Uh, a yes. first half brace from Cat Rap, actually two goals in the first 35 minutes. Uh, additional goals from Jenna Zibilich, uh, Maya Hansen, Hannah Adler. Um, after the game, Nicole Lukic used the term ruthless to describe the performance. Uh, what impressed you most about the attack specifically, though? What impressed me about the attack was the way that the new players and the returning players were combining. Yeah, They were on the same page. It looked like they had been playing together for a while, even though they have not been training yeah. for a while. I would say that the returning players in the attack, Cat Rap, Mai Hansen, Mariah Wynn, they looked like they had a season playing together. They yeah. looked like their chemistry is a little sharper. But you add in Adler and French, both with NWSL experience mm-hmm. in there. Uh, Adler with Racing Louisville, Sophie French spent some time with the Portland Timbers. So it Sorry, poor little thorns. Excuse me. And it's just a really fun attack to watch. There is definitely awareness of where space is and how to take advantage of that. And there were obvious speed mismatches. Yeah. Well, that NWSL experience helps, especially when you're bringing in newcomers with that, that can sort of, even though it's their first year versus other players, second year is almost those, those professionally seasoned players that can sort of help, help get the most out of uh, some of those other talent, even though those other talent have been here for an extra year. Um, I think every goal had some combination. If you go back far enough of where the buildup was or the the initial pass of returning and new players. And so, it, it wasn't just, you know, win and Hanson give go up the pitch mm-hmm. just to each other and everyone else is just letting them do their thing. There, there was a definite game plan and it was to involve who was ever open and the entire attack. And you could say all 10 players were, were up on the attack and involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I noticed, and a little bit I was able to watch watch of the game live, and then uh, watching some of the highlights back. It seemed like most every sequence that led up to a goal, you know, you had almost every player on the pitch playing an influential role 
in that in that sequence, whether it was building up from the back, turning over in the midfield. It seemed like just the, the ball went through so many different areas, so many different players on the pitch. Um, it seemed like everybody, as you mentioned, whether they're a newcomer, whether they're a second-year player, no matter what the position was, so well-organized, knowing exactly what to do in each situation and just playing a vital role front to back in, in what Minnesota is able to do, uh, putting up goals. I was impressed with the formation. Nicole Lukic last year really favored that 4231, mm-hmm. possibly due to injuries, but I think maybe due to the opponent. Uh, yeah. Chose a four-one-four-one. You know, th- there there was not the double pivot in the midfield. Just uh, Addy Wicker, uh, Wickers, excuse me, Addy Wickers was the the lone central mid, and mm-hmm. so she had both defensive and attacking responsibilities, and that's all they needed back there, and that meant that they yeah. could have a a fifth attacker up top. And I was looking at Twitter this morning. It's not something I realized at the time, but I know Wes Berdine said that Luka opted to invert her her fullbacks. Um, and that got them to play a little bit more centrally and, and play a little bit more of a, of a role in the attack. So just adding to that depth in and quality in the attack front to back when you even have your, your wingbacks playing vital roles um, and centrally, not just along the outside channels. That just springs. There's so many different elements and so many different ways Aurora can, can take advantage of you uh, on the pitch with their attack, and it seems like that was on full display last night. Jeremy, that's a really good point by you and Wes because – those fullbacks coming in more centrally help def- defensively and offensively to fill those gaps that you would have a double pivot in the center. Yep. And so it was very, very effective. Also, as we're get- moving further back along the field, the newcomer central back pair of Kennedy Faulkner and Tiana Harris, both from the Toronto area, looked really solid. Uh, was that the biggest key to you in, in the defense? You know, obviously putting up a clean sheet. Rochester didn't really get much of a sniff on goal the entire game. Um, yeah. What, what what played the biggest role in that from a defensive standpoint, in your opinion? It's really a combination of full field defense. The high press was working mm-hmm. because of the speed advantage. And to take nothing away from the intelligence of the Aurora players, because it is not just speed. It is knowing when and where. Mm-hmm. And it was it was organized, it was thoughtful, and they had a lot of turnovers in their attacking half of the pitch. Mm-hmm. But when Rochester did have good attacking moments and chances, whether that's in the box or heading up the field, and just that combination of Addie Wickers at the central defense and the back four, they all knew their responsibilities mm-hmm. and were shutting things down. And that new central that new center back pair really impressed me. You look at this opener compared to last year's. I believe it was a, a two-two draw, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, last year in their in their home opener uh, against, Green the, against Green Bay to kick off the season. Um, and you you come out dominant with a five-nil win over the course of Aurora's season last year. Yes, they were they were undefeated pretty much throughout, but you know some of those games were pretty close. Some two ones, some three ones, some three twos in there. Uh, as well, not really. We didn't really see a dominant performance like this one, uh, really all last season during the regular season. Um, do you do you see kind of Aurora playing at a different level overall this year compared to last year? And um, you know, who can? I, I said this on Twitter, but judging by last night's performance, I know it's a small sample size, but it's almost like who can hang with this team? Right. The 
the play-by-play announcer Jake Griffith said on the broadcast that you know last year Minnesota Aurora took some teams by surprise. They will take no teams by surprise this year mm-hmm. with their reputation. But along with what I expect, other teams, especially in the Heart Division, Heartland Division, that have played Minnesota Aurora, trying to raise their level, whether that's through coaching, whether that's through players, they they are all raising their levels. And Aurora says, we're going to raise our level too. Yep. We're going to build on what we did last year, and we're not going to settle for last year's level. We're going to bring in some depth. We're going to bring in new players. We're going to bring in a new energy, and we're going to show you something a little different. Yeah, and well, they showed something different last night, a 5-0 dominant win, <laughs> as we mentioned. Um, two-part question here, MJ, and obviously, as I mentioned, very small sample size, one game in. Uh, but which two-part question, first one, which second-year player seems to be taking the biggest step forward through one match, and which newcomer impressed you most Wednesday night? Second-year player, really, uh, that's that's so tough because they, they all played so well. I think the obvious one is Kat, Catherine Rapp, Cat Rapp, yeah. Yeah. because not just the two goals, but her awareness of space – she was all already pretty confident on the ball last yep. year. You, she was the number one depth piece behind uh, Morgan Turner. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm skipping on the name. I know I know Morgan Turner was a super sub last year at the end of last season that Luka opted to use uh, through the playoffs and stuff to to bring in a goal. Um, right, and there were there were there, I mean they were pretty deep last year as well. Um, in addition to the depth that they've built this year. So, yeah. Anyway, but at that central attacking midfield, Sangman Cha was the maestro or the playmaker. And when Sangman Cha would get tired, Cat Rap would come in and she would handle that pressure and the congestion of being in the center midfield and passing and finding space very, very well. Now with one year of college play in D1, uh, she's even more impressive, more confident, and has... Mm-hmm better awareness of the space around her. Um, I look for her to, to start most games. That's that's the underrated thing about this this Aurora team, I think, in their second year, is they had a lot of players last year, a number of players, I don't know a lot, but a number of players who played impact roles that were just coming out of high school, who really yeah. hadn't even got a chance to play even at the college level yet. And now a year of college experience, some of them at the Division One level, Coming into the second year, I mean, how that plays such a vital role in the continued development and the impact they can make in their second year. They also had a couple players that I will get into probably an in-depth roster piece mid-season that transferred from Division Three schools to Division One schools or Division Two schools to Division One schools, and so that Aurora experience and that Aurora coaching and just increased yes increased their scouting profile but also increased their skill level so that they could like go on and improve their what league they play and what college they play for and so you know uh Yelena Zabilich being the prime example of that uh moving to D1 uh Iowa mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's that experience is so crucial, and it's kind of a as you mentioned, it's kind of a vice versa thing as well, where that experience they get out of Aurora, the visibility and the platform they're given from that team as well, in addition to the 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 skills that they're honing on the pitch with the coaching staff, 
Um, it, it helps them in every aspect of, of uh, correction. Wrong being 10 school. She's at university of Minnesota. I apologize. Okay. To all there, you fans. there you go. Um, so short turnaround here, MJ, uh, yes. Aurora traveled to Chicago for a Saturday matchup with the Dutch lions. Then I mean, it's, it's two matches per week, pretty much the entire way. Yes. It's Wednesday, they're, Saturday, they're, or Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday, whatever it is. They're, the entire they're, way. They're back on Wednesday, May 31st. Yep. And they're going to take on an RKC third coast. And this kind of directly aligns with someone we kind of just mentioned with the depth. I saw the equal time crew take talking a lot about the depth of this squad being a huge plus. Um, do you see that as something that was really a focus in the roster building this offseason is continuing to improve that depth? Um, when And uh, how much of an advantage do you think that will be given it's just it's so congested this entire way, this entire season? In a lot of my interviews that I did at trainings or at the Mall of America kit reveal, every player was talking about depth. And one of the things that came out is Nicole had a definite preferred 11 last year that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Rachel Preston had, I don't know how many minutes. Kelsey Kafusi had so many minutes. A lot, yeah. That it's going to be different this year. There's going to be more squad rotation because you can't. We're not going to run players into the ground because we don't have to. We, like, the the depth. I thought they were deep last year. Mm-hmm. I thought they they had composed a roster of, you know, differing skill levels, different experience levels and had a good recipe of ingredients last year. It is so much stronger this year. Yeah. The, the, the ingredients that they added this year are potent. They come with international experience. You know, uh, Adler has, has played yes for racing Louisville, but has also played in Denmark, you know, mm-hmm. Vienna Benke who got saw time last night. She's played in Iceland. Yep. You know, we, both the center backs have a Canadian national team experience. One has played in Australia and Mm -hmm. you are adding that level of experience to this squad that are, they all are buying in. They all love what Nicole Lukic and the coaching staff, that they all like the style of play. They've all commented on how it's intelligent. Everyone knows their role. It's easy to fit in. Um, Mm -hmm. It's fun attacking soccer. And, and so it, all these things are coming together. It is only one data point. It is only one game into the season, but it, I am just excited with anticipation with where this team can go this year. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun at TCO stadium in year two for Minnesota roar for sure. Um, MJ, uh, what's the latest in terms of injuries? I know you mentioned there were a few names on the report from both sides before we got on the air here. Unfortunately for Rochester, the, their two most potent attackers, Brazilian Mera, Alaveto uh, is uh, from no- Northern Iowa, D1 school. Um, she is out with injury. And Anna Ricarte Pacheco from Woodbury, Minnesota, and uh, went to Shattuck St. Mary's. They were about, both out with injuries. And then probably their most experienced center back, Lindsey Birch, um, also local Rochester, uh, went to Rochester Lords. Um, she was a late scratch due to leg injury. So those three players, uh, two attacking, one defensive for Rochester, unfortunately couldn't be on the pitch. And they may be out for this short season, a good chunk of the short season. So that changes Rochester's roster and their expectations for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, well, before we get to Aurora, let's let's talk a little bit more about Rochester. Obviously, the the second USLW league team in in Minnesota, getting their first season this year. Um, they had a really tough one 0 loss to Bavarians to kick off the season at home, and then obviously this really rough five 0 result um, for Aurora. What you know, obviously a short sample size for you and seeing this Rochester team on the pitch, but but what did you make of them, and and what can what can we expect from them as we move forward, yeah. kind of in their inaugural season? In that 1-0 loss to the Bavarians, Coco uh, Alcade de Blas, uh, their goalkeeper, had 12 saves. So she stopped 12 of 13 shots. That's really impressive. She is their captain for a reason. You do not see a lot of captain goalkeepers. And uh, on the positive side, stepping in for uh, Lindsey Birch, uh, Madison Salas, who I got to interview post-game, and that interview will be in my recap, uh, Maddie Salas, very vocal, good clearances, really smart center back defender stepping in. And so, and then I also was able to talk with assistant coach for Rochester, just talking about how are we going to plug these holes in our kind of our leaky ship that we have with these injuries. And he said a lot of this game was used to figure out what are the right pieces to plug those holes. Yeah, and you know that's that's going to be interesting. It's it's a lot of growing pains for Rochester for the Loons, it seems, uh, in their inaugural season. But so you know, these these players who may not have even gotten you know uh, a start or a significant time are being kind of asked to come in in, in less than ideal circumstances on the road against arguably the best team of the entire sixty plus in the USLW league, and um, not an easy ask by any stretch of the imagination, but valuable experience, I think, nonetheless, for all those players. That's another thing that Coach Eric File talked about was just getting his players' experience, liking to see, liking their energy, liking that they didn't give up despite the, the score. And I asked about the goalkeeper changes. He's like, well, just from what I just told you, 12 saves. Like, it's not like they thought that Coco uh, Alcade de Blas was the problem. They mm-hmm. saw the score and they said, this is a good chance to give our one of our younger goalkeepers some minutes, some experience. Yeah. And – just kind of reset the game a bit. And so um, that goalkeeper that came in, Minnesota native uh, Emma Knack, uh, she plays with, I believe, my Hansen at South Dakota State. So they're, they're college teammates. Yep. Em, Emma Knack, uh, also uh, Minnesota native, and I believe uh, St. Francis senior. So like she's going to go into her freshman year next year, you know, so you had someone like a Vienna Benke who's in her thirties attacking, you know, a, a teenager in, in goal that, that is just a, uh, what do I want to say? You know, a small sample size that exhibits a larger pattern of difference of experience and di- difference of depth of, of these two squads. I saw that, uh, I think it was either Emma's mom or one of Emma's family members taking a picture of her and Maya on the pitch. Yeah, after yeah, the yeah. Match. She said something Super like my cool. two kids or something like that. So that was, that was, that was pretty cool. And that shows it's just a very small world in the world of Minnesota soccer and just, just Northland soccer in general. A lot of these players from both sides have a lot of experience playing with and against each other, um, even outside of that summer season. Yeah. So many of the players from both teams, since they're in Minnesota, like, grew up playing, whether that was Minnesota Thunder Academy or other youth programs that would be household names to those that follow youth soccer here in Minnesota. Uh, anything notable injury-wise on the Aurora front moving forward? Yeah, so those wondering about the two new center backs may wonder where Kelsey Kafusi was. Kelsey Kafusi, they had a 
friendly against St. Thomas this past Saturday, and they took a couple injuries. One was Kelsey Kafusi, I believe, injured her her leg or knee, and then uh, goalkeeper Taylor Kane injured her thumb and needed an MRI on her thumb. And okay. so uh, the the knock on the thumb, the it was just basically precautionary. They were waiting on MRI results. So I expect Taylor Kane to be their number one goalkeeper going forward. Hmm. But having Amanda Porbaugh and Olivia Grubman get some minutes in this game and showing what they can do, I was very impressed with Porbaugh's uh, use of legs. She would come out of the box where she cannot use her hands, was very comfortable being that fifth defender and clearing the ball. It's, it's funny, even without Sarah Fuller this year, the Aurora goalkeeper <laughs> seems to be stacked once again. Uh, yeah. same, as, same as it was last year. So uh, that'll be interesting to see kind of how, the, how they rotate that, if there is any rotation with goalkeepers moving forward, considering the, the congestion. Yeah, no, they have a very talented uh, goalkeeper quartet, as, mm-hmm. as they did last year. Three of them are returning. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if they would try to replace Sarah Fuller with another Sarah Fuller type, and meaning tall, very athletic, dominant, celebrity status, what have you. And uh, they are very, very happy with between uh, Taylor Kane and Amanda Porbaugh to, uh, you know, run with those two keepers. One of them will be one, one of them will be two. And it'll be interesting to see how much rotation there is. All right. One final question here for you, MJ. Uh, dominant win, but did you see any areas of improvement needed for Aurora moving forward? Any potential chinks in the armor that were, uh, you know, shown that maybe a, uh, a higher tier team in the heartland division, or even in the playoffs that you might see them be able to take advantage of down the, down the road. This is so hard because it comes with a huge caveat. And that is that this team that they were playing being in their second year and only their first year in the USLW league in Rochester FC is so inexperienced, so young, and there was a huge speed mismatch on, on the pitch. And so because of that, you saw players trying to get away with things that they may not against a Green Bay Glory, mm-hmm. against the Chicago Dutch Lions this Saturday. They may not try to do these things, but you, you saw them, whether that was playing a little bit more selfish, a little bit more hero ball, maybe trying to dribble through three or four players. You saw them try to do things that you don't want a more disciplined team doing. And just to echo this, Nicole Lukic said this at, mm-hmm. at the end that there was some some turnovers and some places that we had a chance to keep possession or control the ball, and we went for something riskier. And she doesn't want to see that. You know, yep. she's a perfectionist. She wants to see control, discipline. She would have loved to see eight zero or something like that. But yeah, obviously she had a lot of positive things to say. No complaints about the dominant five zero score. A lot of good things to say about her players. The other thing that Nicole Lukic pointed out that I did not notice was how the players were playing with the wind. Mm. And that struck me as a very intelligent take. She said that too many balls in the air when they could have been played on the pitch. And that's something that a more seasoned player like Nicole Lukic and a more seasoned coach can point out to her players, you know, and you'll see that probably improve over time. But yeah, first game out of the gate, everyone's hyped, you know, going for a few long balls here and there, you know, yeah. like that's to be expected. Yeah, you just don't want your team, as Luke just was alluding to there, you don't want your team to fall into bad habits where they're making those mistakes against uh, competition that could really, really make you pay uh, for those, um, even just minor, minor miscues. Um, all right. 
Matthew Johnson, sodasoccer.com, Minnesota Aurora Beat Reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at MJ Matsui. Follow his coverage all season long of Aurora. Uh, MJ, we appreciate the time, man, and I'm sure this is not the first or second conversation will be happening over the course of the season. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Hey, Jeremy, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate all that you do for Soda Soccer and for Midwest Soccer. Appreciate it. Thanks, MJ. And just like that, we are back. Dom and I, at least, are back on 10,000 pitches. And now it's time to talk lower league. Uh, Dom, a lot happening in lower league. We're going to start... <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. A lot happening in lower league. Uh, but let's start with USL League 2, shall we? Um, Minneapolis City's continues... You know, uh, their struggles continue in the early part of the season. Um, you have St. Croix really asserting themselves. Uh, Rochester FC uh, getting off to a good start as well. Um, kind of hit us with the uh, the details on USL League 2 this last week. Yeah, uh, certainly very eventful. You had all three Minnesota and USL League 2 teams play uh, over the last several days. Uh, you have uh, Rochester, Rochester FC make their debut in the league. They win 2-1 at Bavarian's or not at Bavarians, excuse me, at home against Bavarians. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good show of maturity from them. They actually come back to win this one. Uh, very, uh, you know, th- th- there was a lot of discussion about, uh, around, about this team putting together this very new roster, uh, bringing in a new coach to the area in Sebastian uh, Narvaez, uh, you know, joining this new league, much higher level than you would normally attribute to the UPSL where they played before. But we, we've seen the product on the pitch now, and it looks pretty good. Uh, very competitive. They obviously get the win. Uh, and so that they get their first USO League 2 win, frankly, a lot faster than any, anybody else from Minnesota has done. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily know what Bavarians are going to be long term and, and how to compare them or how to, to, to weigh this result in that sense. But they get the win. That's what matters. It's a big win for them. Uh, Minneapolis City had a, a harder time. At home, they lost a three to five to RKC Third Coast. This yeah, goal was fest. A goal fest, I believe. Four goals in the first like thirty minutes, something like that. It was uh, most of these goals actually just happened in the first half. Funny enough, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second half was was a lot quieter. But um, this was uh, RKC's first game, uh, men's game. Uh, so this is their debut. Obviously, uh, Minneapolis City's second uh, USL League Two game of the season. Uh, RKC very much came to play, uh, did very well to make use of uh, opportunities on the counter, uh, were very patient and and just essentially scored goals whenever they were able to put together the right chances. Uh, for what it's worth, Eli Goldman got a hat trick in this game uh, for Minneapolis City, so obviously uh, uh, congratulations to him on the individual level there. But yeah, unfortunately for Minneapolis City, it just there continues to seem to be this, this gap between uh, – what what we know they want to accomplish, what Carl Crates talked about wanting to accomplish with this this roster, uh, and actually getting that done on the day. Uh, frankly, uh, with this game, they very much solved one of the problems they had been having, which was goals. Uh, they got a lot more than they they you know they done one goal in two games if you include the Super Cup game. Uh, they very much flipped the script on that one with three goals. Uh, but in the meantime, the defensive composure was not there at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, at halftime, there were adjustments made that certainly slowed that bleeding. But unfortunately, when you're already down, I believe it was four goals at halftime, that's, you know, it might be too late. 
I think uh, Minneapolis City's social team said it best when they were talking. Or, or, it might have been it might have been Kyle who writes for them. I don't know who it was oh, who yeah. actually came up with the statement, but it said they were smacked on the counter like a document produced for emphasis. And I was like, <laughs> I, I thought I that was that. that was that was perfect. And you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes a yeah. team just figures out the way to break you down. And uh, credit to RKC Third Coast. I mean, that's a that's a big big win for them early on in their UPSL or excuse me, UPSL, USL League 2 existence. And um, they found a way to to take advantage of Minneapolis City, and they just kept rolling with it all game long, and it worked out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, Crows still looking for that that first win of the season and also first point of the season. That being said, at this level, things can change so quickly. It's mm-hmm. entirely possible for a team to lose their first three games and then win the next three games. So we'll, we'll have to see what what the course correction is with that team. Uh, but yeah, big win for RKC and, and congratulations to them on that. Uh, St. Croix wrap up the, the Minnesota part of all this for USL League 2 with uh, a 3-2 win over Bavarians at home. Uh, similarly busy game uh, that involved back and forth goals. There were multiple equalizers, but uh, St. Croix in the end, they're able to sort of control the game and get the result at home. Uh, that's two wins for them, obviously having already won at Minneapolis City earlier. So it's a great start for St. Croix. You know, when, when this... Uh, division was uh, the deep north division was restructured and, and some teams were moved out the Peorias and the Des Moines uh, that obviously created a bit of space for teams to to thrive that perhaps just weren't ready to compete with those sides mm-hmm. uh, and you know the question was who in Minnesota can help step up to that obviously you, you're going to have your Canadian teams stay that potentially have the opportunity to, to make the most of that you have these Wisconsin teams joining in and uh, who in Minnesota is going to step up Minneapolis City have, have had a, a hard start to that journey. Rochester do have one win. Of course, we don't necessarily know how long that's going to last or what that's going to look like long-term. But St. Croix with two wins, sort of the first team from Minnesota to sort of put their hat in the ring and say, hey, we can get some real results in this league and, and perhaps challenge for a, a playoff spot or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, very encouraging for for the boys in Stillwater. Uh, but, yeah, that that wraps up what was a, a, a goal-filled and very eventful USL League Two uh, a week. I I obviously write more for the NPSL and UPSL on the site, and I was paying attention to those games. And as I was checking into all these other games, and luckily they were all streamed, I was able to watch a lot of that online. Uh, I was frequently uh, caught with my my eyes wide at <laughs> some yep. of the craziest storylines. But uh, yeah, so the the USL action was not done there, though. However, because Rochester FC actually also their women's team played their first game. Uh, this week and of course they're going to end up playing aurora as you've already heard uh but they played at home first against bavarians this last week and they lost that game one nil to bavarians uh to wrap up the usl action in minnesota this last weekend so that's a bavarian side sort of getting some revenge on on uh on the rochester men's side for for their win uh, and a good start to bavarians usl w league journey but uh, yeah unfortunately yeah. rochester dropped their their w league debut Going back to League Two for a second, there, there's it's interesting to me that you know the two of arguably arguably the two most storied franchises, if you will, the two most storied clubs that are in that division, Minneapolis mm-hmm. City and Bavarians, who kind of get a lot of the the acclaim nationally and have at least in the past for what they've done on the field and off the field and how they present themselves as a as an amateur club and things like that. Yeah, they're struggling early yeah. on, um, and I think it kind of shows that. 
you know, you can you can have all that, but this USL League Two level is different. There are certain different buttons you have to press at this level. This is not, you know, that this is this is different than the leagues. You can you know you can make comparisons and say better or whatever, but I just think over and all the culture of this league is different and that they really are embracing that pre pre professional label that they give it, that this does seem like this league is sort of like that gateway or that bridge from truly amateur soccer to professional soccer. And you have to hit, you have to press different buttons. You have to put your teams together in a different way. You have to bring in different players in certain spots to, to be able to have success. And it seems like there are some teams that, that have found ways to press those buttons. And there's some teams that are having growing pains and maybe it's not the teams that you would suspect to have those growing pains early on. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's interesting. You, you note that obviously Bavarians and, and Minneapolis City sort of have a little more of a history than a lot of the other. Well, some, I mean, some of the teams in this conference or in this division this year are literally new this year. Yep. Uh, RKC being an example. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And they also actually have some of the more big name coaches as well. You know, Correct. Minneapolis City have Carl Craig, uh, Bavarians uh, head coach whose name unfortunately escapes me right now is a former MLS player. Uh, he, he's a professional, he's a yeah. history professional soccer player. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think I think it just shows that it can be a little more complicated than that, uh, that, that, that there can be more pieces to the puzzle. Uh, and so you have Rochester and St. Croix doing very well early on, RKC, do, RKC doing very well early on. And uh, yeah, it's just that, I mean, to be fair, that's part of, I think, what's enjoyable about this level of the game is how unpredictable it is and, and how teams can have very different pathways to success. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see Obviously, these are just the first couple of games. It's going to be interesting to see once we can get to more of a halfway point, if teams like Minneapolis City or Bavarians will potentially have a lift as that sort of experience in history maybe helps them along the way. Maybe that won't be the case. And maybe, you know, St. Croix, RKC, Rochester will be the teams that, that stay at the top. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting sort of eye-grabbing start to the season, I think. Um, most people expected some of the teams that have done very well to do much worse and some of the teams that have not done well to do much better. So it's a, it's a, a perfectly eye grabbing start to the season, I guess is, is what I'll say there. And Dom and the NPSL, we kind of spotlighted three teams last week that maybe are starting to, to get a little head above the rest and all three came away with three points this weekend. Yes. Yes. Duluth, Med City and Dakota fusion all won their games. Uh, I'll actually start with Med City because it's actually the game that was the least likely to to, to result that way in the sense that uh, on paper, Med City, I think most people would have had them beating Lacrosse Aris, who was who they beat. Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't very easy. <laughs> it was no. uh, it was it was a one nil la, uh, win for for Med City, scoring the winner in the 85th minute. Uh, Scott mm -hmm. Neal with the goal. Uh, and Lacrosse Aris actually had a penalty saved by Iker Gonzalez in the first half. Wow. So actually you likely would have had a situation where it was lacrosse Eris leading potentially as far as the 80th plus minute. Wow. Uh, that didn't happen because of some very good goalkeeping and, and of course intervention by Scott Neal at the end there. But yeah, Med City, uh, uh, maybe, maybe playing it a little close to the chest with, with mm -hmm. that one. You know, we, we talked last week about they, they liked themselves a, a one nil, a two one, a one one. Um, I, I think that they would have necessarily expected that to be the way this game went. Yeah, uh, but Eris are you know showing that they they want to be competitive this season, and uh, they they did a very good job representing themselves in Rochester this last weekend. Uh, moving up uh, to the north, you have Dakota Fusion beat uh, the Twin Stars four one, a pretty emphatic win. 
it was hard to tell what to expect from this fusion attack from the first game, uh, which was a 1-1 draw with Med City because both teams were just kind of going at each other 50-50. This game, uh, we saw a much more attacking side. Uh, it was 1-1 at halftime. Uh, Twin stars with a penalty right before halftime to, to even it out. But then uh, one of uh, the fusions, many new players that they brought in this season, let me make sure I pronounce his name correctly, uh, uh, you... Uh, Sukanome scored a hat trick in the second half. Three goals, wow. three very nice goals, by the way. So uh, to, to make it four-one, Fusion now with four points from two games, a really good start for them. Very competitive draw with Med City, of course, and then a really confident win against the Twin Stars, who seem like the team that you know, if you're going to want the title, you're going to have to be expected to beat them. Uh, so very good win from them. And then Duluth FC had their home opener uh, and beat Sioux Falls three-one. Was a little harder than I think most would have expected. Sioux Falls actually scored in the third minute. A very nice goal from Patrick Hansen. It was a header off a free kick uh, to make it 1-0 to Sioux Falls. Duluth, however, uh, responded quite well after that. In the 20th minute, they equalized. In the second half, they got two more goals. Uh, very nice. Uh, one of which, the last of which, was a, a, a really uh, nice solo goal from uh, Kosha uh, Domorotsky, the Ukrainian Plays for Duluth FC, played their last year as well. He now leads them on goals of two. Uh, so, yeah, really everybody that um, you would have thought would have stepped up this week did. Uh, keeps Duluth FC at the top of the table. Med City and Dakota Fusion behind by two points, evened out a second place. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a, a, a very eventful start to the MPSL. Again, action keeps coming. We are really starting to see those three sort of teams that we expected to challenge stay up there. Joy is sort of the one question mark having won their first match and then had a, a bye in week two. We'll have to see what they look like in the midweek and weekend matches this this week. Uh, but yeah, very much uh, essentially really the teams that the two of us <laughs> talked about are the ones that are, are competing, which is not necessarily a surprise. I think what's going to be particularly fun is when we see those teams play each other more uh, and we can have some some differentiating between who's going to really stand out. Yeah, really want to see how uh, how Dakota, you know, as the season progresses, can can fare against a Med City, can fare against a, a, a Duluth, and obviously the Duluth Med City matchups this year are going to be super intriguing, just as they were last year. So, um, a lot of excitement to come, obviously, in the NPSL. Uh, we also had some uh, some results in the WPSL kicking off. Yes, uh, over every league week. played this. Week. <laughs> every single every league. league. Yeah, I'll, let's, uh, I'll run through a couple of these. So WPSL had two games uh, as of recording. Uh, that was Joy Athletics women's team won 3-0 against Manitou FC. And then Maplebrook on the road beat St. Croix 1-0. So just the start of the WPSL, lots of games to come. Uh, in fact, there might even be one or two played by the time you're hearing this that haven't happened yet. Uh, but, you know, the WPSL is always a marathon. They play their yes. games very quickly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's very much a get the points while you can league. Um, so, I mean, that's a really big start for Joy and Maplebrook to get those wins, one of which on the road. Uh, we'll have to see what happens when sort of the big competitors that always kind of show up in the WPSL, uh, you know, whether it be uh, 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 Mankato or, or the Thunder or Salvo. Once they start getting their games in, we'll have to see how the table starts to shape up more. But uh, but good starts for Joy and Maplebrook uh, in, in what I'm sure is going to be a very exciting season. And then in the UPSL, things starting to shake out a little bit, uh, but a big debut win. Or, or I guess a big first win for a newer club, I should say. Yes. So you had uh, 
and if, if you want more depth on this, we, we did have an article on the UPSO. These are just the matches that were this last weekend. Uh, there were some midweek last week as well. Uh, but yet Worthington gets their first win in the UPSL actually against Aston Villa, which was a couple of days before. And then they get a second one against St. Paul Blackhawks. Both were at home, which I think is going to be a huge factor for them. Worthington had a rough start to the season. They also had all their games on the road at the start of the season. So uh, now that they're at home, they seem to uh, be a little more comfortable making a bit of a fortress out of Worthington, Minnesota. Uh, so two big wins for them. Aston Villa then, or not Aston Villa, Austin Villa. Uh, are the first team to take the points off of Superior City. Yep. They draw 1-1, so Superior City dropped points the first time this season. They are still top of the table, but Austin Villa with a, a good showing against them at home. And actually, Austin Villa, very close to winning this game, Superior City actually equalized it in extra time. Uh, so uh, Superior City continuing to, to, to be very bothersome to get points off of, but Austin Villa showing that it can get done. Uh, then Valora uh, beat Granite City on Sunday 3-1. Very confident win from Valora. Uh, doing well to sort of recover from some iffy early results this season and, and very much staying in the mix. Um, so, yeah, the, that that title race or that sort of playoff race in the UPSL continuing to take shape. A couple teams standing out now. St. Croix, Minneapolis City, Valora very much in the mix there. Superior City sort of surprisingly leading the charge on all of that. Uh, they were, uh, you know, predicted. Uh, I think the official predictions were for them to, not by me, but by uh, actually the, the league, or the coaches were for them to finish sixth. Uh, that is very much not the case right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, very good start for Superior City. And then as if we didn't already have enough leagues to cover, Dom, <laughs> there's the UPSL women kicking yes. off. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we saw the Tonka Fusion Elite hosted Superior City and beat Superior City 2-0. Uh, it's a really good win for Tonka, considering that Superior City had won their first match, which was a week before. Uh, and then Valora, who lost that game to Superior in the first week, uh, did well to recover at home. They beat St. Croix 2-1. Uh, so some very promising starts for uh, Tonka, Superior, and, and Valora really dull to kind of get a win within those first couple of games. Uh, this is obviously a new uh, division for, for Minnesota, so it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams take shape. A lot of these teams are are either new or new at least to this specific format. So uh, in the case of a team like Superior City, completely new. Uh, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all navigates as the year progresses. But uh, it's exciting to see more women's teams obviously coming into the fold in Minnesota and, and exciting to see a couple of them get some really strong starts in the cases of uh, Superior City, Valora, and, and Tonka. All right. And a lot more lower league action this weekend and midweek action next week as well that we will hit on, obviously, on next week's episode of 10,000 Pitches. So if you're into the lower league stuff, uh, I should also note, um, going back to USL League 2 and USLW League, we have a new weekly lower league piece hitting our SodaSoccer.com website. You can read the Rochester Roundup by Andrew Nelson. He's based out of Rochester. Um, each week he dives into the results for uh, Rochester's USLW League and USL League 2 teams. Um, obviously some mixed results, as we mentioned, for the Loons. And in these pieces, the Loons refers to Rochester, not Minnesota United. <laughs> um, for the Loons in the uh, in their opening week of play in both leagues. So if you want to read more into that, check out the Rochester Roundup each week at SodaSoccer.com. All right, picks time presented by Better Edge. And now we are transitioning to picking uh, or talking about, I should say, the other loons that we normally talk about, the Minnesota United loons. Um, betteredge.com slash loons, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons gets you $20 in your account when you sign up. 
Um, this week we are picking Minnesota United versus Real Salt Lake. Minnesota at home, slight favorites. And I say slight favorites being they're actually on the plus side of the money line still. Plus 107. They are favored, though, um, in this one. But that is a not a very um, strong endorsement uh, by the odds makers uh, that they're on the plus side of the money line. The over-under is two and a half goals in this one. Uh, Dom, what are you thinking for Minnesota and RSL? Despite uh, the the uh, somewhat shocking uh, Houston Dynamo results, I think that Minnesota United are on a good path in lead play. I'm going to say that they will win against RSL. Knowing that I get my money back for a draw, because this is a two way bet, not a uh, not a, not a not a three way bet where you can actually bet on a draw. Um, I'm going to pick Minnesota United as well. I do think we are kind of headed for a draw in this one. Um, but at the same time, um, if any team's going to win, I, I don't necessarily see, and I could eat my words for saying this, so knock on wood, I don't see RSL getting uh, all three points on the road at Allianz Field. I think Minnesota, that that win over Houston midweek last week, sort of kind of maybe turned around that home mojo that was lacking early in the season. Um, you know, We've seen some really positive signs in league play as well. Um, the Houston match, you know, obviously that just got off the rails early and Minnesota couldn't get it back on. So um, I'm not sure that's indicative of what what's to come in league play for Minnesota United. And obviously, Kervin Ariaga's red card does not impact him suspension-wise. Uh, but it is it is important to note, though, that Bongi Hlongwane's uh, celebration with taking a shirt off after the goal that he scored against Portland did get him a yellow. So not that he is prone to getting yellow cards, but if he does get one in this one, he's going to be suspended for the next match. So uh, just something to keep in mind. But anyways, um, long story short, I'm picking Minnesota to win, knowing that I get my money back if it is a draw, and that's a push. All right, again, if you want to bet with us, against us, enter our weekly MLS Pick'em Contest. Make sure you're checking out betteredge.com slash loons, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons. You sign up there, you get 20 bucks in your account. Better Edge is not a sports book. They do not profit off of your loss. When you're betting on Better Edge, you're not betting against the house, if you will. You're betting against other bettors on the site. And uh, that's why it's free to use in 46 states, including Minnesota. Um, the funnest way, though, I've seen is to just enter our weekly pick'em contest. We have paid and free versions as well. Um, so you can check that out. Again, betteredge.com slash loons. Dom, got, did you come up with any parting words for the, uh, uh, for the fine little, folks out there? A little bit. Yeah, uh, just a quick, you know, uh, I want to uh, extend some gratitude to, uh, you know, there's been some very nice um, – feedback uh regarding the the lower league coverage so far this year both both mine and, and also other writers carter for example who's written um some usl 2 articles it's been some very positive feedback from that a lot of people um you know interacting with those tweets and those articles which is very nice there's some clubs that have been resharing them as well which which we appreciate for for better exposure and then yeah so i i, I just uh, appreciate that people have been very positive about the return of that. Obviously, that's a big part of, of what I do uh, on the website. So that's always great to see that people are interested. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot also. <laughs> it, it is. Um, yeah, it's a lot of yeah. things. It's, it's a, lot a, of things. a lot is one of them. I I definitely uh, am very thankful for uh, the likes of of Carter and Andrew and MJ who who have pitched in with coverage of different lower whether it's uh, USL League Two or or W League other parts of lower league soccer that I don't currently write for for Soda Soccer 
uh, because frankly, I don't know if my brain could fit more clubs into it. You're already um, covering but, two leagues, Don. We wouldn't ask yeah. you to do anything else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just just a thanks for that. And also, by the way, uh, a thanks to, you know, we're getting some really nice numbers on Twitter followers right now, which is great. You know, awesome. headed to 2000. It's like maybe 19, 15 or 20 right now. Um, something like that. So yeah, uh, you know, thanks to all the people doing that. If you haven't already and you listen to this, I don't know why you're doing that, but you should follow <laughs> You should follow us on Twitter because um, that that helps us. You know, I, obviously people have a lot of things to say, you know, about Twitter, but you know, it does help us to have people interacting with us on there, and and it, it helps our articles and our projects. So, look, we're a um, sports media entity. Twitter yeah. is kind of still our wheelhouse, as it yeah. is a lot of other places. So, so, so thank thankful for all the people taking part in that, and uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's all I got. All right. He's Dominic Jose Bazonio. I am Jeremy Rushing. This has been the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. If you're looking for more content from us, make sure you're heading out to sodasoccer.com to check out all our written coverage. If you're looking for more podcast content, we will have that Saturday night following Minnesota United and RSL with another episode of Post Loons. And if you're looking for the next episode of the 10,000 Pitches Podcast, that will come your way next Friday, right here, same time, same place, wherever you're listening or watching. Um, however you're consuming this content, thank you all so much. Big thanks to Better Edge and Colosso Kits, our sponsors this week. One more time, I'm going to plug it. If you want to take that next step and directly support what we do, it is the lifeblood of what we do here. Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. Support our work for as low as $3 a month. Again, he's DJ. I'm Jeremy. This is 10K, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend.